Hi everyone, and welcome to the 170th episode of Kingdom Hearts Union. I'm your host Brandon, and I'm here with Churro! Hey guys. How's it going, man? Actually, pretty good, you know, like, you know, we got some good stuff. Oh yeah, recently. there's been uh, quite a bit of uh, developments, uh, to say, you know, to say the least. I mean... Not necessarily for Kingdom Hearts, but... Some big stuff that Kingdom Hearts fans tend to be really excited for. I mean, like, well, you gotta remember, I, I came from Final Fantasy first, so, you know, seeing that yeah. 7 remake trailer, you know, was definitely a big surprise, deal. you know, for yeah, me. Yeah, I'll also say, yeah, for for me it was the same. Like, actually, my first exposure to Final Fantasy was a uh, Final Fantasy 7 demo disc, and just the installer alone, and hearing the Final Fantasy prelude and seeing all the characters go by... Like, that was enough for me to be, like, really, really become interested in Final Fantasy. And it was through Final Fantasy that I got into Kingdom Hearts, so... Same here. Like, I had just finished Final Fantasy X, and then I saw Tidus in, like, in the Game Pro magazine. Yep. And Waka, and I was like, wait, these are Final Fantasy characters. And it's like... Yep. And the rest is history, so, you know. Exactly. Thank you, Final Fantasy. For sure. And yeah, I, I kind of feel like in some ways, like the the relationship between Final Fantasy VII specifically and then Kingdom Hearts, it's almost like Final Fantasy VII has always been the big brother to Kingdom Hearts. Oh, definitely. You know, because it was it was Nomura's first, you know, uh, character main like lead character designer role. You know, it was the first Final Fantasy re- he really got to shape the look of. So in some ways, it was kind of his opportunity to cut his teeth on you know, a big project. And then on top of that, like even since kingdom hearts, uh, became a thing, he was, you know, p- played a major role in the final fantasy seven compilation series. So yeah. And including know, director like of advent roles, children, you know, like, yeah. Director of advent children and crisis core and all that stuff. So you know, was, uh, he didn't, he didn't direct crisis core though. That no, was, no, uh, he didn't direct it, but he was, he was involved in it. Yeah. So yeah, it was a, you know, big, Big, uh, you know, there's definitely a lot of uh, back and forth between Final Fantasy VII and Kingdom Hearts, so I'm really excited for it. Uh, you know, there'll be more information at E3, but yeah, if you haven't seen it already, uh, at the PlayStation uh, State of Play uh, live stream, there was a, a new Final Fantasy VII remake trailer release, the first one in uh, over the last three and a half years, and it shows off a lot of really great stuff. We finally get to see Aerith and... Uh, we get Cloud and Barrett and little shot of Sephiroth at the end, and it just looks amazing. It, it has it has grown so much since we uh since we last saw it, and I'll just say Churro, to me a lot of this since it's all in uh Midgar kind of reminds me a lot of uh the Monster Inc level of 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 Kingdom Hearts three of like the factory and everything. Yeah, the factory scene specifically. Like when they're running, specifically when they're running and then the the helicopter goes over. Yeah. Like that that's this trailer for me and I'm just like, "Yep. We got to play that in Kingdom Hearts 3." So, I know this is all possible. So, man, that is uh that is exciting. I can't wait to see more. So, there'll be more at E3. Uh in addition to, of course, there's going to be more information, you know, for Kingdom Hearts as well. Most likely around E3, maybe at a concert. Who who's to say one way or the other? I mean, it's gonna be a busy weekend. I mean, I'm going to both concerts and the like the first day of E3. Awesome. So that that's that should be really fun. So uh, yeah. Anyway, 
For you new folks, Kingdom Hearts Union is part of the podcast series called Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union and is presented by the Gaming Union Network. We release every Tuesday, rotating each week with Final Fantasy Union, and we come out on the iTunes store, KingdomHeartsUnion.com, and... Kingdom Hearts Union's Twitter, which is at KHUnion. We have a two-segment show today. Our first segment will be our... Uh, probably our last Kingdom Hearts 3 discussion segments. Uh, I'll just say right now, you know, not, not that it, uh, should be any surprise, but on this episode and from all episodes going further from now, all Kingdom Hearts 3 spoilers are fair game. That means everything, 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 everything that has been released up until this point. That includes the secret ending, the epilogue, and the secret reports. So if you haven't, if there's the, anything that you haven't done. What about the upcoming oh, the DLC boss. stuff? Uh, upcoming DLC stuff? I, I mean, whatever we know about it at this point, all fair game. Let's talk about it. It's out in the open. Let's talk about it. So, you know, just just so just so it's all clear where we're at. From now on, Kingdom Hearts 3 spoilers are A-OK. If you haven't finished the game, go finish it. It's been... It, it's been since January. What are you doing, man? Get cracking. It's Kingdom Hearts. It's not that long. Summer vacation is starting if you're in school. Yeah, so go for it. So, uh, yeah, so first segment, Kingdom Hearts 3 discussion. We're going to talk about all the the secret stuff. And uh, last segment is our question segment. Finally, back to questions. And in the way of announcements, as always, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash FFKHUnion. And our Patreon executive producers for this episode are Nahika Balawi, Chris Morales, Zach Duranto, who's at ZDuranto58, Michael Graham, Barry Norton, who's at Nortron Zero, Thorin Bullen, who's at Massacre23, Tori Patrick, Fayez Bilal, Alex Ray Schneider, who's at Alex Ray Schneider, Louis James, Rachel Casterton, who's at Orba Yun Ray, Mohammed Quayam, Zelda Clone, who's at Apes Type Novels, and Churro, if you could take these last ones. We got um, Darren Matthews at Doomster73, Joseph Robertson at Pokemon Trainer J, Alex and Rachel Troutman, who is at Akira Namjin, Keith Field at The Mighty Keith, Billy Jackson at underscore Billy Jackson, Miles Ribbons, Ishbel Al Ayala at Red Peppers, Rob Porter at Scorekeeper T1, David Calro, Tobias Cappy at the Tobias Cappy, Vita Nitas, and Yannick Nod at Gionic Nod. And be a part of the show. Send us your questions to khuquestions at gmail.com. And hey, if you have any questions that are spoilery, feel free to ask them now, because uh, from now on, we're all spoiler okay, so ask them. Uh, and in the way of the deep dive stream, the deep dive stream will continue at Twitch TV slash KH uh, slash KH Union, and the next Kingdom Hearts Street Kingdom Hearts Three stream will be May seventeenth at eight PM Eastern Time. I'll be playing uh, San Francisco, the Big Hero Six World. Finally, so we're getting close, little by little, to the end of the game. So the Kingdom Hearts 3 stream, it's almost over, but it's going to be great, and there's going to be a lot to talk about. So speaking of Kingdom Hearts 3, let's move on to our first segment, the Kingdom Hearts 3 discussion. And first, let's talk about that epilogue, Shiro. You know, it's, uh, it's one of those things where it's like, to some extent... There, there, you know, you know, there's always going to be some secret stuff, but this time it feels more than ever like the epilogue 
is very important because <laughs> in prior ones it was kind of like you know in Kingdom Hearts one oh yeah it's just you know it's just sort of goofy they're walking through a field la, la, la. oh it's Pluto oh he's got a little letter okay wee let's follow Pluto how fun and then you know Kingdom Hearts two their epilogue. Ah, it's so relaxing here on Destiny Islands. La 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 la. Watching the sunset slash sunrise, even though it ends up on the same side of the island every time, no matter what time it is. La 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 la. Oh, Kyrie, what's up? Oh, I got a message in a bottle. Oh, let's read it. Wow, our new adventure is right around the corner. You know, really relax. This one, nope. <laughs> it's like, it <laughs> is uh, completely like straight ahead. Here we go. Bam, no name Keyblade. Bam, it's Zigbar. Bam, no, actually it's Lushu. Bam, Masters, Lost Masters. Bam, what was your role? Like, straight into it. Man, Chero, what did you feel about this this epilogue when you first saw it? Uh, was it, do you want me to say from the perspective that I saw the leaks or the perspective when I first saw it from beating it? Let's get both sides. Let's Let's get first of seeing it through the leaks. Well, I mean, I was trying to help control the leaks. Yeah. So, but so, you, so you had meant, to see it. So I had to see it. So it was very surprising for me to actually, you know, for Nomura to try to throw that curveball at us. Yeah. By having, you know, Zip Barbie, Lushu. Yep. All along. So the, I I thought it was a good, you know, good reveal for it. So Yeah. I, um, I think, like, when you really think about it, it makes sense. Because, like... You know, ever since Zigbar was revealed in Kingdom Hearts 2, Nomura's always said, you got to watch out for this guy. Watch out for this guy. He, he, You know, there's something about him that's a little bit different. It's very interesting. He happens to know quite a lot about Keyblade wielders and quite a lot about the Keyblade wielders of the past. So I think it makes sense. Yep. And um, he was only he was always I mean, if you notice in Birth by Sleep, Zigbar yep. was always, you know, wanted his own Keyblade. So it's like he always yep. had you know, something about him that, you know, because, like, you don't really hear much from people saying that they wanted their, you know, their own Keyblade. No. And it's like, wait, how do you know about the Keyblade <laughs> of all people? Yeah. And, like, and, why you, this random guy in, in An- Ansem the Wise's castle, why do you care so much about the Keyblade? Yeah. Like, and, it's, it seems like, like, if you go back to the, uh, the just the Ansem reports from even the original Kingdom Hearts, when when Mickey was uh, meeting with uh, with Ansem the Wise, he didn't know what the Keyblade was. He was surprised by it. Like you know, that th- that was something new to him. So why the hell does uh, the Zigbar or Bragg at this time? What does he want a Keyblade? What what does he know about it? Yeah, then like then he had a you know when he, when he was ranting to Master Zaynord about getting hurt, you know, he said it wasn't our this wasn't part of the deal. You know, yeah. to get a keyblade, so it's like, you yeah, know, he, like it's like, like what's, his, what's, his, what's his motive? You know, what's, yeah, what's his exactly. true motive? And then, then there's that one scene with you know young Zaynort in yep. uh, the beginning of a uh, was it at the end? Oh, at the end of a uh, was it? The, the, what was what? Uh, was one of the secret, the newest secret endings they added? Yeah. Uh, where they're inside the room at the uh, the lab- secret laboratory, and then mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Xibar talks to you know Gung Zaynard about uh, yeah, maybe you didn't really lose your memories. Yeah, so basically he kind of you know he kind of knew things that other people didn't. Yeah, he did. He definitely he definitely was aware of a, a lot of things. So 
Yeah, so it, it makes sense that this is that this is Lushu, and you know, as he says in the epilogue, and he also goes on later to elaborate on in the secret reports. You know, he's he's lived countless lives. You know, lives that could fill you know many volumes of books. You know, he's you know gone on through the ages. You know, as the master of masters asked him to do. You know, go on and and pass on this keyblade and let it you know pass on master to master, so I can continue to to witness the future as it unfolds. You know, with my with the all seeing eye that is in the keyblade. So, you know, it, it it is interesting. And then what's most interesting is that by the end of this, he's like, and now my role is finally complete. You know, after all these years of passing down the Keyblade of No Name, he's done passing down No Name. Now it's back to him again. Now it's back to him. And he's got the box. And we'll talk about it a little bit more later when we get to the secret reports. But uh, there's going to be a very interesting development that comes out after this of what's supposed to happen when his role is complete. Uh, It's... uh, so yeah, let's let's give a quick breakdown of what actually happens, like play by play of what's in the in the um in in the epilogue. So uh, first things first, you know we're in the uh, Keyblade graveyard. The uh, no name Keyblade is uh, whirling through the air and smashes into the ground. Then uh, Zigbar picks it up. So, 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 yeah. Here's my thing about it. Yeah, because you know how like when Keyblade where uh, wielders, you know die yes do the keyblades automatically go back to the keyblade graveyard uh i don't know like it's it's unclear how it ended up there my guess is that maybe somehow it it was ejected out of kingdom hearts yeah because when it was ejected out of kingdom hearts it landed in the keyblade graveyard because that's where kingdom hearts was but i don't think so because if you think about it like why was ericus's keyblade at destiny islands if because yeah. because it's know, like because so. like the one thing i was wondering is like you know xenor used it for the you know first half first part of the final battle then in yeah the, in the actual final battle final battle he's using the he keyblade. uses the keyblade yeah. and then after that you don't see no name again until and then you know and then he rides off to the afterlife with you know with ericus and then the keyblade yeah. just twirls, like you said, it starts by twirling, and then just lands there. Yeah. So I don't know if Zaybar is like summit summit it back. Yeah. Because you know, it since, since Zaynard passed away, basically the you know maybe the ownership goes right back to him. Yeah, it could be that 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 would make sense, or maybe maybe he always had that ownership or, uh, and was always able to call, summon it back if he wanted to. But he just sort of let him do it because you know he you know he's tr- he's playing out his role. He just he's playing the role of watching yeah. because that's that's his role. So yeah, it could it could be one of those things. It could just been that you know once he died, it was ejected out of Kingdom Hearts and and it just ended up back in the Keyblade graveyard because that's where Kingdom Hearts first appeared was in the Keyblade graveyard. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it, at the very least it's unclear. You know, we don't know exactly what happened, but at the very least we, what we do know is like what's at least how is, is Lushu describes it as is that Xehanort died, so he gets to keep it back. Yeah, okay. that's, that's the main thing. So, uh, yeah, so twirls, lands on the ground, he picks it up, and then is like, yep, my role's finally done. And then these portals appear, and out of the portals, crossing through time and space, 
here here come the uh the lost masters uh you, you know four of the five uh apprentices of the master of masters so we got ira we got uh <laughs> i forget most of their names uh, envy envy got garlua gula gula and then you have Ased. Ased, yes so envy gula Ased, and ira so that's four of them and then lushu and then they they're they're saying like wait are you lushu really like yep yep i've been i've been going through my life you know uh passing on my heart you know from person to person and yeah i've lived more lives than that would you know fill up a bunch of tomes but like yeah it's me I, under all this it's still me and then uh, i said is like what is your role you tell us and then he's like all right well i hope you like long stories well before that he mentions that ava didn't make it oh yeah ava didn't make it and so then they're like wait did ava not make it what happened did you did you like leave her out of this and like no she's already completed her role which, if you think about it, at least the role that we know Ava to have was to make the dandelions and pass them on. And her main, uh, like the main idea, and we'll get into it a little bit more later, but was to pass the, da- the dandelions on, quote unquote, into the next world. Like that was her thing, was that the world was going to end and she's got to take the uh, keyblade wielders of the past and pass them on into the next world. And, and that's kind of her role. So, you know, maybe that has something to do with it. We'll definitely be getting into that kind of discussion a little bit more. Once we get to, uh, the secret reports and after we've done the secret ending, but, uh, there's going to be some interesting things to talk about, but I think, uh, yeah, w- once that's done, then yeah, he's, he's like, oh yeah, it's, you know, I hope you like long stories. Uh, which I- I'll just say, I did also watch the Japanese version of this just to see how much of this is just localization. Uh, the Japanese version of the line more closely translates to, uh, this was like, nagai, nagai hanashi ni naru, which would mean like, well, it's going to be a long story. So he, it's it, it's not exactly the the exact same line, but he's basically like, well, you know, sit down because this is gonna be this is gonna take a while <laughs> to explain what happened. You also forget, guess who's watching them? Oh yes, so that's so that's the next part. So the the person who's watch the people that are watching them, we got Maleficent, and we got Pete, and it's really interesting to see what they do. So they they're watching from a distance. And then and she me- sort of leaves. Yeah, and you got to remember they've been searching for that the entire game. They've been searching for that box the whole time, and then Pete sort of like clenches his fist, and it's almost like they gave up. At least that's what I read from it. Was like, Ugh, never mind, let's give up. That's well, what it well, felt well, like. Well, he wanted to. Well, right before the keyblade, you know, graveyard scene. You yeah, know, they they go back to Twilight Town, and they you know, and Pete wanted to give up. Yeah, and that was the last we saw of them, and then here they are in the Keyblade graveyard, watching over Lucio and the other foretellers. But but yeah. they realize, but I think he clenches his fist because he knows that they're close. But the thing is, is that you have they, five they can't move in on it. Yeah, they have five really powerful Keyblade wielders. Exactly, they're they're not going to touch it. Not at least not then. So they basically they found the box, but it's like 
Well, now what do we do? <laughs> like, we're not going to go up, up against all those guys. Well, they just got to keep their distance and wait for the yeah. movement. I mean, they, pretty, have to, I mean, they have to keep waiting. It's kind of like in Kingdom Hearts 2, you know, when they were looking at Castle, uh, the world that never was. Yeah. Like, they they wanted to acquire it, but they, they let Sora, you know, and his friends be the ones to stop them first. So more likely, mm-hmm. they're going to be the ones that, that's going to probably have Sora deal with them. And then they're just swoop what in. I really like about this, though, is that, you know, like you said, ever since Kingdom Hearts 2, the role of Maleficent and Pete has been definitely been hype, getting hyped up and hyped up and hyped up. And I would say in Kingdom Hearts 3, even stronger based on their absence. The, but because, like, because, because they're, they're kind of like underestimating her yeah. because, you know, because, you know, Sora kind of gets that kind of like arrogance where he's like oh i beat you once already i could yeah. do it again if i wanted to but it's like you know and you know here you have in you know kingdom Hearts 2 where you know you constantly yep. fight pete in different disney worlds and yep. then like but then at the same time they still don't take maleficent seriously then you have yep. her her quote-unquote sacrifice you know at the very end mm-hmm. of the game to allow sora to go ahead you know and on top of that like you can see like you know through all of this stuff you know through you know, uh, through Union Cross and through all of Kingdom Hearts 3, while she's not acting, you can definitely see she's preparing. Like, she's setting stuff up. So at some point, there's going to be a day of reckoning where Maleficent comes out, and it's not going to be easy. And not only that, it's, built, it's actually building up in Union Cross, in the, at least yeah. in the Japanese version. Yep. Because basically so. that's where the whole time travel thing gets yep. mixed into, when she actually goes too far in the past and she ends up mm-hmm. contacting that mysterious voice who darkness. calls themselves yeah. darkness. Yep. So it's going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting. Like she's definitely, she's setting something up and it's, it's taking longer than maybe she expects. And it's going to involve her waiting a bit because she can't make her move now. Well, but patience is a virtue. Exactly. You know, it's a uh, slow and steady wins the race as they say. So, and I'll also say, like, going back, like, going way, way back before even Kingdom Hearts came out, like, the original final villain of Kingdom Hearts was always supposed to be Maleficent. And it was only through, you know, talking with uh, Sakaguchi, you know, the original creator of Final Fantasy, that he says that, you know, make it more like Final Fantasy, you know, try to expand this, you know, make this a little bit more complex. It was through that that Ansem got created, you know, to be a, an even stronger villain than Maleficent. So, uh, you know, maybe, maybe somehow, some way, Maleficent is being set up to be a kind of more of an ultimate villain for for Kingdom Hearts, maybe, you know, in the distant future. Who and knows? you can remember that she kind of got arrogant as well, like, you yeah. know, in the very first Kingdom Hearts game. Cause she, she, oh, for sure. Here, here you have, you know, she's a very powerful, you know, sorceress, you yep. know, and, um, you know, and she was the leader of all the, the Disney villains, you know. And then yep. when... Um, you know, Riku being possessed by Ansem unlocks her heart with the Keyblade. You know, then she becomes a dragon, and then after that, she just you know she gets defeated. So basically, you know, it's what Riku, while being possessed, says. You know, huh? After all this time, she was the one being used. Yep. So it just shows that you know, even she has her own weaknesses as well, especially her own arrogance and her own ego. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's interesting to see that. Yeah, pretty much ever since that defeat, she's she she has not taken that defeat lightly, and she's been preparing and biding her time. So, 
I can't wait to see where that ends up in the future, especially considering like how bold it was to constantly be showing Pete and Maleficent throughout many, many Disney worlds, but then not do anything with it really at all in Kingdom Hearts 3. So I think that's a very bold statement from Nomura saying like, you know, almost like how uh, with Zigbar back in Kingdom Hearts 2, like keep your eye on him. It's almost like in Kingdom Hearts 3, it's like keep your eye on these two. You don't you don't think they're that strong? Oh, they're going to be involved, you know. That's kind of what it feels like. And then, you know, then throughout the throughout other games, you know, you have that scene with Shion and Zigbar. Yep. Where he yep. sees Shion as Ventus, you know. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, yeah, so next, uh, let's talk about the secret ending. It's time. It's time, Churro. It's time. The time, the time we've been waiting for. So... You know, I, I've talked about this a, a few times on the podcast, and and and, I, and I've talked with Nichiro about this for a while. So I think we can can pretty much breeze through this pretty quickly because it's you know it's kind of well trotted ground. But just to give like our you know quick summary of it, so Sora wakes up in Shibuya of all places, in which is very surprising. Very, very surprising. Ends up in Shibuya of all places and, uh, is, you know, uh, you know, real, basically real world Japan. Then we later see Riku. He's in Shinjuku. And then, you know, on the tower, you know, Tokyo Metropolitan Government Building, as in like modeled after the real one in Japan. Here's flipping Yozora. <laughs> like, the game character from Toy Story, the toy box, what? And then finally, Master of Masters doing a heart shape at the moon. And it's like, w- w- what? It's like, what did we just saw? <laughs> can you can you say that again? <laughs> it's like, what just happened? Exactly. So I'll just give my quick uh, breakdown that I always give. And, and, you know, just all the interesting things that I personally noticed, you know, you know, based on what music plays, because I think the music here is very significant because it's a short trailer. It's it, this like very much is a teaser, you know, much like uh, back in the back in Kingdom Hearts one, for example, the first secret movie, another side, another story. That was a teaser. The first one, not deep dive, but the first another side of the story. That's a teaser. You know, if you go back to, um, you know, Kingdom Hearts two, the Sunset Horizons uh, secret ending. Not the Birth by Sleep one, but the, the the one before that. The one that released with Kingdom Hearts 2. That's a teaser. That's what this is. We are dealing... What we are seeing here is a teaser. So, uh, y- you know... So we get a lot of, a lot of music very densely packed. Uh, I always start with the second song in the explanation because the second song in there is straight from another side, another story, Deep Dive. And it's very interesting that this song plays because this particular part of the song only plays in another side in that song that was from Kingdom Hearts Final Mix. That song only appears in two other places in the entire series, only twice. And both of them are very interesting. First one is obviously another side, another story deep dive. 
which bears a lot of visual similarities to this one and the fact that this is a dark city you know we're being set up with this this whole situation you got a character on top of a building you know like riku was you know dark nighttime just rained apparently because there's uh puddles on the ground you know a lot of visual similarities to deep dive the second one based on just us talking about the epilogue is also very interesting the other time the song plays it's when you fight Brag in birth by sleep as aqua like what (laughs) you know the guy that's lushu now yep so that's that's an interesting tie third song that plays you got your uh obvious ripoff version of (laughs) the verses 13 you know theme uh uh, psalmness oh yeah you know very very shameless everybody everybody catches that one Mm-hmm. And, and you know this is basically Nomura's second chance. We 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 all know that so far. Doesn't Last matter. Song that doesn't po- matter what he says in the Ultimania. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter what he says in the Ultimania. It, it's pretty obvious that this is the case. And yeah, obviously, last the last song that plays is "Dearly Beloved," and that's kind of there, in my opinion, to to just to confirm. Yes, this is still Kingdom Hearts at the end of the day. Like, don't worry, this is still Kingdom Hearts. That's that's why I think they play "Dearly Beloved." The first song that plays in the trailer is, I also think, very important, and that is uh, the Final World music. And in my opinion, what that does is it ties Final World to this secret ending because there's there's that nameless star that says a lot of really interesting stuff that, uh, you know, she's waiting for somebody and whispers in Sora's ear somebody's name of someone she's waiting for and uh he, you know we, we never find out who but man Sora does make an interesting face and wouldn't it be interesting if that character's name that she said was Yozora just saying hashtag tinfoil hat all right so now that we're up to speed Cheryl what'd you think of the secret ending when you first saw it because <laughs> that's some crazy stuff well considering I saw it in, in the lakes too as well oh yeah it's like what is going on? Like, because, like I said, there's no context. Like, even, no even, context. Even, well, it, it, there's no context either way. But like, yeah, no context either way, really. But like, when you see, like, when I saw, because you gotta remember, I didn't see Yazora, you know, at all. You know, because I never played yeah. the game yet. So it's like seeing yeah, Yazora yeah. there, I was like, who's this guy? He looks like Riku. But I just saw yep. Riku. Yep. So I was like, okay, so we're going with this then. And then I was like, okay, so are they? Because my first instinct was. The world's the world ends with you, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another game Nora had his hand in, as well. And on top of that, um, in the Shibuya area, the the building that is in real world Japan is the 109 building. 109, it's kind of like a uh, like a fashion mall that's in Shibuya, very popular. It's the 104 building in this, and that's the same change that they make in the world ends with you. So I totally. I'm totally with you there. Like it's very clearly, you know, at least somewhat tight, you know, has kinds of hints that could tie it to the world ends with you. But according to Nomura in the uh, Ultimania, no, 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 it's definitely not that. So that's interesting. So, and uh, so since, since you saw this first, what was your experience like when you played Toy Story? The, when I played Toy Story and you saw the commercial with Zora, then yeah. you actually go to the world. I was like, now I started to put two and two together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
So that that that's interesting. So so yeah, the uh so yeah, very interesting that that they went this route, you know, teasing the secret ending in the middle of the game in Toy Story in one of the most popular uh, you know, worlds in the game. You know, just straight up going there and teasing uh Yozora right in the middle of it. And and they don't hold back. They talk about him a lot. <laughs> yeah. And I will say though, there is one interesting line that was cut from the final game that you heard when you played the demo, and it's Rex naming the the other two party members. That line was cut from the final game. Uh, so the other two party members that help Yozora are Magia and Aegis. So I don't know if maybe those names will end up being changed at some point. But at least in terms of the demo that was at the premiere event that you went to, Churro, that's that's the line. So, you know, I guess, like, make note of that for later. But, you know, for all we know, maybe they cut it for a reason. Maybe they cut it because they decided to change the names. But at least in that demo, that's what the, their names were going to be. The the two other guys, I guess, that are with Yozora in the Toy Story commercial. So I guess that's interesting. So, uh I would say, like, uh, going based off of the commercial real quick, uh, the quote-unquote Magia Magia and Aegis characters, I would describe them as kind of like combos of, like, original versus 13 characters. Like, I would say, so there's the one guy that's got, he's got red hair, and he wears a hat. He kind of reminds, he kind of makes me think of kind of like a combination of Arden and Prompto. That's kind of how I see him. And then the other guy is kind of like a combo of Ignis and Gladio. Because he's like, like him. yeah, he's kind of, like he's a little buffer, but his hair is like like Ignis, and he wears glasses, glasses like Ignis. So that's kind of how I see them: is that the the two party members, you know, one's a combo of Arden and Prompto, and the other one is a combo of uh, Ignis and Gladio. And then you know, Yozora is just a combo. I would say Yuzora is a combo of versus 13 Noctis and Final Fantasy 15 Noctis or quote unquote modern Noctis maybe like uh or maybe 20, combination 2011 of, or maybe a combination Noctis. of Noctis and Riku True that's another that's another uh another way of taking it Yeah I still don't know why he looks so much like Riku or the converse why Namora decided to design Riku to look so much like Yuzora because that that that's an interesting idea. I I you know what I wonder? I wonder if there's a character in that world that looks like Sora. <laughs> Since there's one that looks like Riku. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, like it's maybe possible. in the uh maybe in the uh the second trailer. Yeah, maybe we'll we get. find out. Yeah. So, yeah, speaking on that like uh you know, in the past, the way things have worked, and you know, we'll have to see how it goes. But in the past, the way thing ha- the way things have worked is that in the main release, you get the teaser secret ending, and in the second or in the final mix versions, that's when you get the long secret ending. You know, the one that's you know, your that's where you get your deep dive. That's where you get your birth by sleep. And in the past, the way things have worked is that the the teaser secret ending would set up a battle. And then in the next secret ending, the battle happens. You know, uh, you know, back in Deep Dive, they set up the Neo Shadows 
warping in from the ground. They in in Birth by Sleep, you see the shadowy figure walking in the distance, and and, and the three Keyblade wielders pick up their Keyblades to you know do battle. And then in the next secret ending, the battle starts immediately. So, uh, the only thing though is in this one, I don't necessarily see a battle being set up here at all. Like but maybe but Riku probably... fights Eozora, but like there there is there really isn't one being set up here. So they could be going for something totally different in this next one. Well, I mean, when you wake up in a strange world, your first thing you do is mainly just figure out where you're at and try to talk yeah, to somebody for sure. So maybe there'll be something like that. Uh, I'll just say another thing. Okay, so this this might be a spoiler, a, a very tiny tiny spoiler. I think, but we did talk about it last episode. Uh, in critical mode, when you clear the game, uh, they show the main characters all wearing the costumes that were from the the super groupies. Yeah, yeah, those uh, real world outfits. It kind of makes me think that we those might be the costumes for this next game. And the only thing that I'm a little disappointed about, though, I might have said it last time, is the fact that they show all the characters wearing all those costumes, which kind of makes you think that. Oh, that means that like Kyrie and Roxas and Axel, they'll also be able to come to this world at some point. Which I guess is it's nice. I'm I'm glad that, that would possibly be the case, but I'm sad to have that spoiled for me if that's the case. Well, I would say don't don't jump too far ahead. Yeah, we we shouldn't t- jump too far ahead. That's for sure. But yeah, just just pointing that out there. Um. So, so yeah, overall, really great secret ending. Um, I, I've said it on many a podcast, but like the, the main draw for me from that secret ending was that after having watched the main ending and having Sora disappear in the way that he does, my biggest feeling there was the feeling of being numb. But when this secret ending played, specifically this one, not the epilogue, but this secret ending, when this played... I felt like, wow, this speaks to me personally because this is all the stuff that I love about Nomura's work. Every part of Nomura's works that I love. It's got allusions to Deep Dive. It's got allusions to Final Fantasy uh, Versus 13. I was waiting for that for so long. And to have the, the possibility that Nomura could revisit his ideas his way with that story and do it through kingdom hearts that's awesome to me and i hinted at it before but you know the the possibility of you know this being tied to the the whole final world thing and potentially being tied to the nameless star again star nameless star uh you know a lot of you know people that were waiting for final fantasy versus 13 and got final fantasy 15 you know, you'll remember the fact that they changed Luna. They changed the character, or they changed the the character of Stella, and recreated a new love interest for Noctis. Called her Luna, Luna meaning moon, and Stella meaning star. And have her, they had her character completely rewritten. And you know, for better and for worse, it's you know, it's not Nomura's design. It's not his character anymore. That character, Luna. So having the possibility of maybe more getting to revisit Stella 
that to me is something I'm really excited about because I was so excited to see Stella as a character. I thought she was really interesting, and I re- I remember and loved that trailer of that had uh, Stella and Noctis at the at the dance party and in Insomnia or not dance party, just party in Insomnia. And they would talk with each other and they had such a great rapport with each other. And then like in another trailer, they would do battle. Like they pulled out swords against each other. So it's like, I wanted to know more about that. So potentially having that be something to look forward to in the future. I never expected that. Yeah. Me like, neither. I, I, I don't know about your tour, but yeah, it's like, I never expected in a million years that we'd ever get to see even a hint of what Nomura's ideas were for verses. And I mean, I know he says in the Ultimania that this isn't verses, but it's clear that some of these ideas that he had for it, I guess whatever ideas didn't make it into 15, I feel like are going to be more expressed through whatever this is going to be. Yeah. So, so Churro, uh, how now th- this is kind of like a, a more of a broad question, but what do you think? What kind of role do you think this secret ending plays in a future Kingdom Hearts title? Because what I'm trying to understand is, like, as a Kingdom Hearts game, there is no way in hell they're going to drop going to Disney World. That will never happen. Kingdom Hearts, at its core is a game where you get to go to Disney World that will never change. What I'm trying to understand is how does this fit into a future Kingdom Hearts title? Do you think this is going to be the main thrust, the main plot of the next Kingdom Hearts title? Do you think like I I I I mean there's just so many questions. I don't know how we 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 would possibly also get to go to Disney World with this. I mean, you know, it could it could be it could be in a being a hub for something. Yeah, could be a hub. Oh, what if what if the subway is the hub? That'd be hilarious. But then you get rid of the gummy ship stuff. <laughs> oh, poor gummy ship! <laughs> Everybody misses the gummy ship. Yeah, who knows? So that that's a possibility. Um, I mean, that's the that's really the magical part about Kingdom Hearts is visiting Disney yeah. World. It's not yeah, they're so gonna that there, there's no way that's gonna change. It's not going to, because then if then if it is, and if it is, then might as well not call it Kingdom Hearts anymore. I know exactly. So yeah, that's not going to change. Um, but I mean, if you really, I mean, you go back and think about it. Like when we all saw a deep dive for the first time, it was, or at least with another side, it was kind of like the same feeling. Like, wait, how does Disney fit into this? Like, I remember back in the days, like, on the Ansem Report forums, like, everybody was saying, like, oh, yeah, I think they're going to get rid of Disney. Like, now, the next I game is going to be no too. Disney. Yeah, and they I used remember, to say in that. The, in the atmosphere of the secret ending, all dark, cloudy, yeah, gloomy. Like, how, does the, how does the Disney fit in? Even after we get to literally see Mickey at the end of the trailer. It's like, how did Disney fit in this? Is then, it just going to be main story now? Then people are like, Mickey's evil. <laughs> yeah, Mickey's evil now. <laughs> That's hilarious. I mean, it's kind of like the same thing with the Birth by Sleep secret ending. How, do, like, if you look at that, how does Disney fit into this? That's always the question. But somehow, some way, they always fit it in. They will always fit it in. Uh, they were and underestimate Namora. Namora knows what he's doing, obviously. Exactly. He knows. He knows what he wants to do with this series. 
So I think that pretty much covers uh, what I want to cover about the secret ending. Oh, there is one last thing that I do want to cover real quick about the epilogue. It's mostly just a teaser, but uh, at the end of the epilogue, they go back to a scene with uh, young Ericus and young uh, young Xehanort, and they're still playing their chess game. And uh, young Xehanort sets up uh, on the board seven black pieces, and then young Xehanort's like, like what's this? And it's like, oh, I've heard of a new game, and and then Young Xehanort's like, okay, so there's seven black pieces, and what about what about what about the white pieces? And he's like, and then uh, Young Ericus Young Ericus is just like, just watch, and he like slams it down, and then it goes to black, and like I thought that was really cool. It's also very interesting, the word choice there. He's like, I've heard of a new game. Like, he says that very, very obvious, like, all right, the next Kingdom Hearts game somehow is going to involve seven darknesses and maybe just one light. Because that's kind of what he's holding there is just the one uh, he's hold. He's specifically holding the chess piece that represents Sora and just sort of like slams it down in the center. I don't know. But uh, for this particular scene, I also did go back and watch the Japanese one to see how they word it. And the way they word it is, so he still says specifically, he uses the phrase, atarashi game. He says new game. So he's, you know, this, he's like, all right, well, this is a new game, but, uh, so in this one, and then Xehanort's like, okay, so there's seven black pieces. Well, what about you? So he, he refused to, he refers to him as like, Anosuchiwa. and what about you? And he's like, as for me, and then he slams down the one the, the the one uh chess piece that represents Sora. So he doesn't say just watch. That's an English only thing. Sorry, localization. But he's like but it's still kind of the same interaction. Young Xehanort's like, well what about you? What about the the light? What you know, how 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 are you represented? So whatever this next game is, there's gonna be a lot of darkness and very little light. That whatever game this represents. I will just say, Churro, and I don't know how you feel about it, but for me personally, I feel that this epilogue and this secret ending do not necessarily hint at the same games. I think these are referring to two different games here. Well, Noir did say that there is another mid, yeah. mid-game before a, a Kingdom Hearts 4, as he exactly. said it. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, so I guess uh, moving on from there, uh, let's start talking about some of these uh, secret reports. So... What's interesting, so uh, once you've beat in the game, you can go around all the different worlds and fight at all these battle gates, and that's how you get the secret reports. Uh, so if you haven't seen them yet, like I said, you better have already read them. You can go online and read them or unlock them yourself, but from now on, we're going to start talking about them. So uh, what's interesting about these secret reports is, uh, unlike some of the prior ones where there's only one author, in this one there are many authors, so we're getting perspectives in the backstory on many parts of the Kingdom Hearts 3 storyline. So uh, I guess let's talk about the, the first author who is uh, some, is listed as unknown, but is a test subject. And she basically is writing from her own perspective of how she's like, wait, I'm alive. I just awoke in a cell alone until the researchers came with their tests prodding to try to uncover my identity. So she's got amnesia. All she can remember is that she had four friends 
and a key. And that's, that's all her memories. And they only refer to her as X. And in, in, in later, uh, journal or later report entries she's listed as uh, subject x and her only solace in this experience is occasionally being visited by two boys and but then one day a man comes to take her from this prison and she couldn't see his face didn't know who she who he was but all he all she remembers is this man had an eye patch and even now, she says, even now, years on, I feel no closer to understanding who I am or what I am. And her last line, may my heart be my guiding key. Now, it is very strongly hinted at that this is Ava, you know, going based off of the epilogue. You know, uh, Lushu says specifically that, oh, Ava, yeah, she's already fulfilled her role. And then straight up, Whoever this girl is that's in this cell, by the way, they reveal she's a girl later. Whoever this person is that is in this cell, you know, specifically states that, you know, whoever came here to to take me from this cell was a man wearing an eye patch. And if you think about it, this is in this is in uh, Ansem the Wise's castle. Like, who's got free reign of the castle? The guards, the researchers, Briggs, one of them. So. You know, if he's got free reign of that castle, it it definitely sounds like that was him. So, and then on top of that, like, why is this Ava? Well, you know, she refers to the concept of four friends. Okay, well, that's the other mas the, the other masters. You know, the 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 other lost masters, and then the key. Well, that's probably no name, or or it could be any other key. It could be the Keyblade. Just she's got a Keyblade. Everybody's got Keyblades. It could be any key. So. There's a lot of hints that this might be Ava. Uh, some people say it might be Scald or Strelitzia or however many other things. But, you know, Churro, what, what did you think about this when you read this? Do you think this is Ava? Do you think this is someone else? Do you think there's too little to know now? Hmm. It's it's weird because, like, because there's a lot of different theories. One, yeah. you know, obviously is Ava. The other one could be Scold. Yeah. The other one is Stress Lestia from Union Cross. Yeah, Union Cross. And it's like when you when you compare the three. I mean, unfortunately, we didn't see much of Stress Lestia, so we have no really. Yeah. And the same with Scold too. Yeah, the with Scold, one... like honestly, as far as I know from Scold, even in like current part of the story, she's still fine. Yeah. Like she's she's still fine. Nothing's really happened to her yet. So it's it's hard to say with Skull. With Abba, you know, there there might be a little bit something to it, but I mean her being locked up could be a reason why she didn't make it, you know, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. That that could be a reason why. Uh it's also interesting to say that um you know, that this this is written by by whoever this is, that she wrote she wrote this herself and she wrote this years after she was freed from the cell by presumably Lushu. So she's somewhere somehow existing somewhere else. And she's recalling her time in the prison cell or not prison cell, but in the, in the cell. And she, she wrote down. It, it, she, yeah. Cause especially without her memories. Cause if she didn't have any memories yeah. and her, she, she wouldn't never recognize, got her memories back. Yeah. And she, she wouldn't recognize Lushu. Yeah. She like wouldn't recognize Lushu. Nope. 
So yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, I guess moving on from there, the next, uh, two secret reports, uh, uh, are, well, well, the next secret report is, uh, is interesting because it's written by young Xehanort. Uh, and this is specifically young Xehanort sometime after he met himself from the future. So this is sometime after, uh, and some secret of darkness, in his brown cloak form came to him on destiny islands and tell, told him everything about the future and what would, what would be to come in the future. And, uh, so, but this is also, this is after his experiences in kingdom hearts three, which is really weird. So the kingdom hearts three young Xehanort is a young Xehanort, but when he comes back, he had, he forgets all of that. And, yeah, it's, it's it's really weird. But this is this is a young Xehanort that still knows about being guided from the future and 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 about living on Destiny Island. So he basically says uh, you know, oh and th- and also this is listed as his Mark of Mastery journal. So he's currently on his mar- in it during his uh Mark of Mastery exam. So basically he said that uh some days have passed since I set off on my journey to prepare for the Mark of Mastery ex- examination, Ericus asked me for leave to undertake the same pilgrimage. Uh, but apparently, I'm I am the first to be the one to uh, tour the the worlds written about in the old fairy tales. Until a few short years ago, until a few a few short years ago, I'd only known about my world, a speck of land surrounded by the sea. But now, uh, but how I dream and world uh, yearned of a world beyond, and granted guidance from the fu- and granted guidance from the future, I left that nest behind, as I treaded the past, uh, as I treaded the path of my master's side, I came t- in contact with darkness of many forms. I knew even then, as by in as if by instinct, terrifying as its power was, it could be harnessed mastered so a lot of a lot of stuff that uh he's gone through ever since i guess returning from his experience in kingdom hearts 3 uh he also goes on to say that uh ericus uh descent is you know of noble origin he's a blue blood he's descended from even the first master of master or the first masters not master masters but the first keyblade master so one of the five foretellers is uh where Ericus's bloodline comes from. That's even that's a, that's makes it even more interesting. Yeah. So what one of the I guess one or two of the foretellers are his parents. And um that, 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 may, that makes me like it's kinda of like those old uh cliche, you know, tropes in anime yeah. where it's like one person of light is the one that's always a descendant of somebody of noble and then Yep. Yeah, but Zaynar is probably more of a commoner. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, basically, uh, yeah, uh, Xehanort basically goes on to say in this that he will be, even though he's uh, a blue blood, Xehanort will strive to be his peer, his equal. And to do that, he says he must learn to wield the power born from both darkness and light in proper balance. And basically what this sets up is how young Xehanort evolves into Master Xehanort, the one that we know, the bald guy. You know, this is where he sort of like gets the idea that he's going to wield both darkness and light in proper balance. Uh, 
And that's sort of like what old master Xehanort is always talking about is his, this whole concept of balance between dark and light. Uh, the next two secret reports are about subject X and the experiment. And it's written from the perspective of Xehanort, but, but specifically Xehanort quote unquote seeker of darkness. So this is technically Terra Xehanort. Uh, after he's reappeared in Radiant Garden. But this is sometime later, uh, after he's already become a scientist and an an apprentice of Ansem the Wise. So he's currently conducting experiments on Subject X, or at least related to Subject X. So uh, basically, uh, he says that the subject was found in 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 the central square shortly after dawn. Female, approximately 15 years old. After seven days of observation, she spoke her first words, but could not provide a name. Subject exhibits signs of profound amnesia and displays concern about which world this is. Her words, her words suggest that she departed her homeworld with others, though she cannot recall the names of her erstwhile companions. All efforts to explore those memories have met with a rejection response. And then, uh, yeah, after his initial experiments on me, Ansem the Wise ceased his research into the heart. His hands stayed by some fear he cannot, some fear I cannot fathom. Yet this new subject is like me, devoid of memories. She is a perfect sample upon which to continue my master's work. She too could benefit from it by traversing the heart. We may have a direct path into memory. I myself have begun to reclaim my lost past thanks to these very experiments. Who is she? Whence has she come? These are questions no scientist could ignore. And in the words and the words she muttered, may your heart be your guiding key. So, yeah, really interesting. Gives you a lot of like backstory into like who Ansem the uh, who uh who Ansem the Wise was like and you know the fact that he was uh, his research into the heart. We didn't know this, but his test subject was mainly Xehanort to like figure out who he was. And then it, it some, seems kind something of like happened too, you know? Yeah. Cause like his throughout Kingdom Hearts three, he was, you know, the cutscenes you've seen with him, you know, whether yeah. he was with Aqua, then he was with, you know, Ansem, the fake Ansem. Mm-hmm. And then with the, you know, with Vexen, you know, yep. he's very, very remorseful of what he, what he's done. Yeah, you know, for sure. So it's almost like he was almost like a a tyrant at one point. Yeah. And at some point specifically, he says that uh he ceased his research into the heart. His hand stayed by some fear I cannot fathom. So I guess when trying to do these experiments into the heart to sort of unlock Xehanort's memories, uh Ansem discover something that causes him great fear and that's why he stops. So I guess that's a that's an interesting idea. Because cause but, I'm guessing I guess yeah. the great fear was like cuz remember cuz the fake Ansem you know told Ansem the wise you know you and your research you know, like he he basically he said all those children you you know experimented on in the name of your research yep. you know he's basically guilt tripping them. Exactly. You know, and then when you just, what you just read from the report itself, you know, all the experiments on Subject X. Yeah. So he must have, he must have found something that causes, you know, fear. Exactly. For sure. It must, it must have been really, truly horrible that what he was conducting from it. 
And, and even even to this day, we still don't know what exactly what it was. It's yep, like, we don't. I mean, it could it could. It also seems like whatever it was, he still didn't exactly discover uh, Xehanort's true identity either. He like it didn't seem like he. I, I don't think it was that. Oh, he discovered that. Oh, Xehanort's actually Terra and Xehanort together. I don't think that would have really caused him that much fear. He might have been afraid of Xehanort, but I don't think that necessarily makes all that much sense. The only thing that I could think of is maybe he discovers, you know, he discovers maybe Xehanort, but then also discovers that, oh, yeah, Xehanort is going to bring ruin to the world. That's the only thing I could think of, but I think whatever he discovered, this is something that will be addressed later. Because remember, um, Anson the Wise has been in the realm of darkness twice. Yeah, you know we only we only saw him go there from the second time. That was when the machine he had to stop. Yep, Zemnis's Kingdom Hearts, you know, explodes. But like, yeah, but we Mike, didn't see the the time where uh, the apprentices sort of like threw him in there. Yeah, because I think because remember because remember that cutscene where uh, he was Anson the Wise was talking with King Mickey. Yep, and he and they you know exem you know Anson walks in and tries to tell him about the the something he discovered and you know he kind of put his foot down saying you know we're not going to do this anymore yeah i guessing exactly. that they and then basically what created you know the the fake organization is that they just mm-hmm. overthrew him and just tossed him yep. in the realm of darkness exactly which causes him to want to seek revenge and that's when he becomes diz and that's that's where we first meet him so yeah and the next one uh notes on subject X excerpt two, uh, subject memory subjects memories have not returned, and our conversations remain less than lucid. What fragments can be gleaned evoke a bygone, evoke a bygone world, like one out of fairy tales. As improbable as it seems, the question may not be where she has come from, but when. If she has truly crossed through time, the prospect of probing her heart is all the more compelling. My pilot studies used a handful of subjects. None possessed the fortitude to endure them. Ultimately, all suffered mental collapse. I knew it may it would be a heavy blow to lose a subject as unique as she. Upon discovering the tests, I've I've been conducting my ma- uh Upon discovering the tests I've been conducting, my master demanded that I cease my work immediately and destroy what research I have compiled. Worse still, he ordered the release of the of my remaining test subjects. She is gone. Where is Subject X now? And uh, has wise Master Ansem hidden her away? Whatever the case, I will not be deterred. I will take her place as the first subject in the grand experiment to come. So this sets up a lot of really interesting stuff. So uh, I guess for, you know, for one, you know, in the attempt to get her memories back or or at least to find out who she is, you know, he discovers that, Oh, maybe she's a time traveler. Maybe she's crossed through time. And then he decides to conduct studies like sort of test studies on random test subjects that he he gets and it destroys them mentally they suffer mental collapse so yeah i guess 
it's pretty clear we get to see that Xehanort's tests go a lot further than even Ansem the Wises do in terms of being unethical. And uh, be- upon discovering these tests, Ansem's like, what the hell are you doing? Stop! Don't do this anymore and destroy everything that you discovered from this. I'm guessing probably based on what he discovered when he was, uh, you know, when when he was probing Xehanort's heart, you know, whatever he found was probably dangerous. So he's like, destroy the test results. And then on top of that, you're conducting a bu- bunch of really unethical experiments. Release these people at once. And it, and and it, it's easy, and it's pretty much the same experiment he did on Sora too. Yeah, 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 pretty much. So it's really interesting because yeah you know like you said like all this stuff with like memories and castle oblivion and you know the whole deal with nomine and getting the memories back and like all of that stuff yeah that totally ties into what happened to sora later on after chain of memories so that is uh that is interesting um i will also say that this potentially has some uh maybe negative implications for some future games but uh let's move on so the next one that are the next two uh secret reports are both written by syax uh from the perspective of him being in the present so these are present writings that he's writing right now but it's about the past so this is about his time with lee as a child uh in radiant garden and they talk about uh Ansem the Wise, and it's real. What I really like is this first part where he talks about in excerpt one. Uh, that castle was a wonderland to us children. Within its walls, Ansem the Wise conducted his research, and the fruits it bore allowed everyone outside to live in peace and happiness. That alone was enough to stoke our interest. Uh, thought not all of the rumors that escaped its walls were so though not all of the rumors that escaped its walls were so benevolent so it's almost like ansem the wise to the people that lived in radiant garden it was almost like he was like uh willy wonka in some way and this chalk this uh, castle was his chocolate factory and then all the crazy inventions that he would come up with through his research he, you know whatever fruit was bore would then have benefits to the people on the outside but not all of these experiments were all that ethical to say the least and maybe to get to these amazing inventions he had to you know you can't make an omelet without cracking a few eggs so to speak Pretty so much. That's kind of what was happening here, and uh, yeah, so that's that sort of leads Lee and and Isa to want to explore this, and uh, yeah, basically says by night the sounds of human whales emerged, <laughs> so yeah, there were talks of human experimentation. So yeah, basically they hatch a plot to go in and uh, investigate. Eventually, after many many failed attempts you know, by the guards, uh, who are actually also researchers stopping them. Uh, they do eventually make it in, which leads them to the spiral staircase that leads them to the, to the prison area, which is where they see framed in some tenuous silver light. They find the girl. And then in the second secret report, uh, about this, um, they basically are talking to her. She has no memories at all. She's a total enigma. 
and uh you know over the course of them uh visiting her they're trying their best to sort of like you know try to brighten her day a little bit because like there's really nothing they can do as children so uh, the best they could do is provide her company every now and then so they would try to like go there to to visit her and talk to her and you know it it seemed it definitely seemed to cheer her up a little bit and then um at one point when they do try to go back she's finally gone and they basically you know and then they ask had she been moved had we simply imagined her Lee and I knew there was only one way to be certain, and so we stand before the castle gates today, not as trespassing children, but in order to become Ansem the Wise's newest apprentices. So that's like, that's the uh, you know that's the big reveal. There is that they they're going in on this day to become apprentices, but you know we kind of know how that ends up turning out. <laughs> That kind of, that also kind of hints at you know how, how they ended up joining the first organization was by becoming apprentices and I guess at some point being experimented on themselves. So uh, so that that covers that. Uh, the next uh, secret report is Vexen and he talks about basically talks about his replica program and how that works. Uh, I don't think it really has all that much interesting stuff that we haven't already talked about by talking about the main game. But he basically just talks about how he made many, many, many uh, prototype replicas. And uh, the ones that were left over were the ones that uh, ended up getting used to hold the hearts of, you know, Ansem's Secret of Darkness and and Xemnas and all those, uh, you know, organization members that we fought throughout Kingdom Hearts 3. Uh, Moving on to Secret Report 8, there's another uh, Secret Report written by Vexen, and in this one, yeah, it's 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 more of the stuff about the replicas, and yeah, the last one, uh, to circumvent this, Xehanort is using prototype replicas I created, yeah, in the past as containers, plucking his other selves, uh, hearts from the time they existed. Xehanort ordered me to refine these prototypes to make them closer to the real thing perfecting my creations so they may house true flesh and blood humans to suit my own purposes as well. Uh, all that remains for my atonement is to devise a way to pass as many of the vessels as I can to those who truly deserve them. So that kind of you know explains Vexen's pass a little bit more clearly is that he, he only joined back so he could first get those prototypes, second to refine the prototype so that they would be good enough to use, uh, you know, to be real flesh and blood humans. And then, uh, you know, find, you know, and beyond that, you know, give it to the people that truly need them. Uh, and the next two it's Ienzo and he's talking about, um, you know, going over the Ansem's code that was left with, uh, Riku. And it's basically just more stuff about the replica program and, you know, you know what he can do to restore Roxas and Nomine, and that the that that's basically the, the the gist of those two. It's the last three though, the last three secret reports that are the most juicy, because these are all apparently written by Lushu, but they're all listed as being written by somebody called Unknown. 
So these these ones are interesting, and they're all listed under the title Observations. So Observations expert, Excerpt 1, I have seen it through. The Keyblade Ward of unfolded exactly as was written on the lost page. Now, the Keyblade, master, uh, the, Keyblade the master entrusted to me must be bequeathed to another. Five union leaders have been chosen from the surviving dandelions. I will pass the Keyblade to one of them and then continue watching the future unfolding. Yet it seems that someone has pulled the old switcheroo. One of the five is an imposter. Someone the master did not choose. They represent a virus in the program he so carefully wrote. The virus has become a strange undertaking. Yeah, the virus has become a a strange undertaking. A reckless plot to allow the five to escape to another world line. Surely, uh, surely such a thing can't be possible. We're talking about the same trick that allowed the Dandelions to transfer to other world lines after the Keyblade War. But these children are no masters. They haven't the means, unless, of course, a certain Lady of Magic summoned here from the future knows more than I do. The whole Union Leader thing was supposed to be by the books. Are these new events just another phase in the Master's Grand Plan? So a lot of big stuff in there. It's like, I guess the first thing is like, okay, now we know what was written on the Lost Page. The thing that was written on the Lost Page was how the Keyblade War was going to happen. Yeah. So that's, that, was the, that, that was the one page yeah. that, uh, Gula that, was page that Gula had, right? Yep. So that's what Gula had was the... Uh, so he he basically always knew how the Keyblade War would unfold, and yep, it happened exactly as he said. But uh, when G- when Gula talked about the the lost page, he said that, oh yeah, on the lost page, this is where we're gonna find out who the traitor is. That's what he said. It was written on there. So may I mean, look, more than one thing can be written about on a page, but that's the only thing he talked about was finding out who the traitor was. He didn't say anything about the Keyblade War. So that's interesting. Uh, and then, yeah, the next big uh, plot point is the fact that... Uh, so, yeah, five union leaders have been chosen from the surviving Dandelions. I will pass the Keyblade on to one of them and continue watching from the future. But it seems that someone has pulled the old switcheroo. One of the five is an imposter. Someone the Master did not choose. They represent a virus in the program, he so carefully wrote. So these five that are being talked about that have the quote-unquote virus in, these are not referring to, you know, Ava, Ased, Envy, all those guys. This is referring to uh, Ven, Bray, Brain, uh, Ephemer, Skald, you know, all those guys. You know, in that group of five, uh, oh, in Lorium, in that group of five, one of them is an imposter. Well, we all know that Stratlassia was supposed to be the other yeah. holder so of the... I guess, theoretically, the it's Lorium, because he wasn't supposed to be in, or could be Brain, I don't know, but yeah, one of them is an imposter, and uh, yeah, he's the one that's uh, going to muck things up, he's the virus, and 
the other interesting thing is okay so now we're finally talking about world lines which by the way world lines uh are a thing in science <laughs> like uh a- after playing uh Steins Gate I learned about this concept known as world lines and uh yep that's a thing it, it comes from the theory of uh the study of black holes and it plays a major part in uh explaining time travel that's kind of what world lines are all about and also in a game that i uh really plugged a while ago steins gate elite steins gate elite is all about traversing world lines and all that nonsense so i have a a a much bigger uh, background on world lines thanks to Steins Gate and then looking up uh, research about black holes to figure out what the hell world lines are. So I guess the whole idea of world lines are it's they're kind of like, you know, I guess it depends on your interpretation of them, but they they can kind of be seen as parallel dimensions, uh, you know, uh, different worlds, different iterations of the same worlds. You know, it's the whole multiple universe theory. That's one way of determining or one way of explaining what a world line is. So, uh, yeah, basically they're hinting at here that uh, the dandelions were the first one to use this sort of trick. And this is how they escaped from the sad end of the Keyblade War is that somehow, by some trick, they were able to use the, uh, you know, the ability to tra- to traverse world lines to send uh, characters to an, uh, another world. I will also mention that world lines are very directly tied to the concept of time travel. So... I'm just saying, you know, I, I know at some point in one of these uh, secret ending, or secret reports, they they mentioned that this came at no small. Oh, it's like actually in the next one. Let's move on to that. <laughs> so, in ex in excerpt two, even on a world line with no Keyblade War, peace is but a dream. In the absence of us and our master, a darkness arrived, one that will surely lead to the world. Uh, to yet another demise. So yeah, basically he says that yeah, kind of like kind of like I was saying, this whole multiple dimension theory or mo- uh, multiple universe theory where things are a little bit different and like there's a bunch of different iterations, like infinite iterations of the same worlds. And you know, if you take a world line where uh, the Keyblade War doesn't happen, even then, somehow darkness will arrive and destroy things, just like it happens. Uh, you know, in, in in the main world line where that Kingdom Hearts takes place in, you know, doesn't matter. It's a different. It comes in a different form, but it'll still happen, and the world still gets destroyed. Period. The end. So amid the chaos, I I bequeathed my Keyblade to one of the Union leaders, just as my master instructed. I watched as the five were sent to an sent to another world line, at no small cost ensuring the line of keyblade wielders will live on and now keybladeless i must depart this land to fulfill my ta- my final task this means casting my own body aside and sojourning my heart in vessel after vessel as many as it takes but i will continue gazing upon each passing era one unto the next in the in time, be it years, decades, centuries, or millennia, 
I will meet the five once more. Somewhere in the cyclical history of bequeathings, a chosen one will appear to re- and reenact the Keyblade War. When this scapegoat, emphasis on goat, when this scapegoat arrives and takes my Keyblade in hand, that will be my time to, t- to stage and finish my role. The Lost Masters will awaken, says obviously Lushu, but listed as unknown. So I want to go back and bring a big highlight to at no small cost. So I watched as the five were sent to another world line at no small cost. Now, as far as we know, the last time we heard this concept of at no small cost we heard about the whole idea from, uh, you know, all the, or from young Xehanort talking about how there's a cost to the power of waking. And that cost is like you and your life and your existence in this world line, so to speak. And it kind of makes you think. So since this was Ava's role, Maybe it was Ava that used the power of waking to send the five, you know, the dandelions, to send them to the other world line. And, you know, ensuring the line of Keyblade wielders will live on. And if that is the case, at no small cost, what if what happened to Ava after this is she just ended up, oops, I time traveled. I lost my heart. I'm time traveling, you know, Kingdom Hearts rules. And I end up, oops, I'm in Radiant Garden. Oops, I lost my memory. Oops, I'm Subject X. Oops, Lushu frees me. Oops, I still don't know who I am. Oh, Ava? Yeah, she's already completed her role, says Lushu. This, to me, has some scary implications. Some implications I'm not particularly a fan of, actually, because I think it's kind of maybe cheap writing. But who's another character that we know that uh, did this? Hmm, maybe a certain Sora using Power of the Waking to save Kyrie. Hmm. And everybody else. <laughs> and everybody else, pretty much. And ooh, using the Power of Waking at no small cost. Ooh, ending up somewhere. You know, appearing somewhere with your memories lost. Oh, no! Are you telling me Sora and Shibuya might have amnesia? Say it ain't so. Not again. Nomura, do not do this again. You already had an amnesia game. Don't give us this lame setback again. Churro, do you think we're going to end up in Kingdom Hearts 4 and most of that freaking game is going to be us remembering that we got to go back and save Kyrie, or, or not save Kyrie, go back to see Kyrie? Is that what's going to happen here? Is Did Sora forget everything? Is Whoa. what Sora's going to say that, wait, where am I? And then he's going to like go to like a kombini in Japan and they're going to be like, where am I? I don't know. Who are you? And then they're going to ask Sora, who are you? I'm like, oh, I don't know. Who am I? Bum, bum, bum. Is that going to be the deep dive of this game? Is that going to be the second secret movie? Is Sorgas going to reveal you gotta remember what, Well, you got to remember what the name of the uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 DLC is called. Remind. Remind. Oh, no, Churro. Don't say that. 
All right, sure. If that's the case, I really hope that. <laughs> I hope that we remind him by the end of the DLC. There you oh go. no! Churro, yeah. if this is to. where the if this is where the next game goes goes, are you gonna be happy about that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that's For... that's that's a hard pill to swallow. Amnesia as a trope is a hard pill well, to swallow. Well, 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 you got to remember we went through time travel first. Yeah. Now we have amnesia, but this is amnesia two point because we had that once in Chain of Memories. Well, well, I guess it's a good thing that we we spent so much time resurrecting Nomine again. Yep, good thing well, we had that. They, they had that plan going. Yep. Oh man, true. I think that's where this is going. Uh, all right, let's go back to the let's go to the secret the last secret report. It seems this it seems this body this name will be my last. The lives I have lived over the ages could fill volumes, but for now I must focus on what matters most. The Keyblade has been successfully passed down, generation to generation, and it seems Keyblade Mas—it uh, uh, seems a Keyblade Master devoted to darkness may finally arise. Until now, I have watched over the course of events from a distance. Perhaps the time has fu- has come to intervene. I need to play my role of a fool desirous of a Keyblade's power. I will don the mask of his ally in order to keep watch over my Keyblade from close by. The Gazing Eye, a Keyblade forged from the Eye of the Master of Masters. He passed it to me as I have to others. And though and through it, he can see the future. All that will ever come to pass, spanning the ages, in body after body, life after life, my task has been to keep a vigil eye as it passes from hand to hand. It has been a long time, longer than I can express. But now, at least the Keyblade War has begun, and Kingdom Hearts will open. A true and complete Kingdom Hearts. Born of the clash between light and darkness, I will soon be reunited with my old companions, and in that moment, my long vigil will reach its end, and he will return. Bum, bum, bum! So yeah, obviously this is uh, Brag talking about, like, Brag slash Lushu talking about, all right, let's, let's, uh, let's, uh, befriend Master Xehanort and say that we'll help him if we get his Keyblade after all this nonsense. After he, you know, summons Kingdom Hearts. So that's pretty clear. And he also hints at what will happen after the end of the the epilogue. He will return. Which I'm guessing means the Master of Masters. So, Of course, because that guess who that is at the end of the secret ending. Yep. That that surely truly is the master of masters. So I'll, I'll just say something though. Now you know, just just a random idea. You know, I I will say this is unrelated a little bit to Bragg, but it does have like visual relations to Bragg. The gazing eye, a keyblade forged from the eye of the master of masters. 
I think when the Master Masters finally reveals his face, he's going to have an eye patch too. That's my guess. And now we all know that Zigbar got his eye patch because uh, he got shot in the eye. Yeah. But I would not be surprised considering, you know, we know that the eyeball of the Master of Masters ends up in the Keyblade, no, the no-name Keyblade, the Gazing Eye. I would not be surprised if he's also got one eye missing. You know, because I kind of like, for one, visually, that'd be badass. So, and, and clearly, Nomura likes eye patches. So, that could be a possibility. Now, Churro, this is going to be a little bit crazy. But what if he, he reveals his face and he Come looks out. like Vanitas and he has an eye patch, <laughs> but an older Vanitas? Uh, bum bum bum! I'm really getting tired of people saying he's gonna look like Demix. <laughs> he might look like Demix, yeah. We'll have to see. We will have to see. Uh, I I will definitely say there is a reason they are covering his face and have not revealed it. It's gonna leave it like that because I I would say they're not not they are not covering his face for this long without us you know possibly recognizing who they are. That's all I'm going to say. We might recognize him if we saw him, so that's why I think they're covering his face. So yeah, a lot of stuff in this. Very dense set of secret reports. Uh, I'll just ask one one kind of general question, Churro. How, did you, how do you feel about the fact that these are all things that you had to unlock through the battle gates, and these weren't things that you collected throughout the whole plot do you feel it would have been better if this these were things you could collect over the course of the game or do you think because because of the contents of these it's best that these are at the end i think i think it's like the end because you have to work for them yeah yeah that's fair um do you think that the battle gates were the best way to do this do you think they probably should have been done through another means or do you think this was fine um, I mean, it's, it's it's an interesting new concept. Yeah, to do it through battle. That's games. fair. Uh, but, but, I mean, I think they did it for the reason that it creates replay replayability for the game. True, true, true. Yeah, so, something to do after the end because, like, honestly, like, what end game is there to Kingdom Hearts three? Nothing. Yeah. A, 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 apart from these battle gates, there's nothing. There's not even a, a coliseum. And like. That's that's one of the things that surprised me about Kingdom Hearts three was that there wasn't they didn't even have enough time to make a Colosseum because like the Colosseum used to be like that was the easy thing that was the that was the cop out because it's just all they have to do they they build the arena they build the Colosseum they literally have a, Mount Olympus there like all they would have to do is update that Colosseum and all they got to do copy paste battles you know just arrange battles set them up do do the qa testing you're done like coliseum is usually the easy thing like they had to even cop out of that and do it as battle gates like that's that's kind of shocking but you know perhaps perhaps in the dlc like you know like i said you know coliseum's kind of like low-hanging fruit so for all we know maybe some of the dlc would be uh to add the coliseum back sure if they were going to do some kind of a coliseum would you want it to be something that happens in Olympus, or would you would or would you rather, you know, something like in Birth by Sleep, where there was that like battle, 
a Mirage Arena thing? Would you rather have a Mirage Arena or would you want it to be in Olympus as the Olympus Coliseum? Tough choice. Yeah. Because like, both would look awesome in in the new graphics. Well, you know, why not both? Why not both? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think that's good. I, I, I would... I would say if I had to choose personally, I would go with Olympus Coliseum just because I continue to love that Olympus gets kind of put on a pedestal in this game. And I kind of want to put it on a pedestal even more in the DLC just to, I mean, at the very least, just to give us the Coliseum back. And I'm just saying, I remember a certain uh, Sephiroth uh, little battle that we had there in Union Cross where he was like, uh, you'll see me here again like and most people are saying well that just means in kingdom hearts one they're not talking about again as in in the future final fantasy's done in kingdom hearts meh but for me that means we're gonna see him again at some point in olympus so i think that's what's gonna be is that if they do get us olympus coliseum back mark my words we are getting a sephiroth boss fight in celebration of the FF7 remake. You heard it here first, kids. Anyway, so that's, I think, pretty much our conversation, our main conversation about the epilogue, secret ending, and secret reports, you know, up until, you know, when we finally get the DLC. We'll keep talking about these as, you know, the discussion is relevant, you know, Obviously, we got a we got a lot here that we can speculate on, and as things continue to develop, and you know, especially after E three, when you know we'll most likely see a trailer for the DLC. Like once we've got that, I think it'll put a lot more of this stuff into context. So uh, yeah, I think that pretty much wraps that up. So let's move on to our question segment. Our question today comes from Nico Gonzalez, and Nico Gonzalez asks. Do you think there is any significance of the consistent artwork of Sora sitting on a throne and sporting a crown? Would you like there to be? Uh, I mean, it's just it plays with the title Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of how I take it. Like there's always subtle hints of him being a king, you know, on a throne. To me, that's really the only significant like idea. Churro, do you think that, you know, you know, ultimately, if there was ever an ultimate end of Kingdom Hearts, do you think it is going to end with Sora becoming some kind of king and then ending sort of in this sort of way where he's sitting on a throne with a crown? You think that would be kind of the final shot? Yeah, I I kind of feel the same way because, like, they throw around the name Kingdom Hearts a lot, but there sure aren't that many kingdoms other than the one that Disney... The Disney so one. Far, Mickey. Mickey's the only king. Mickey's the only king. Across. And he's clearly not related to the Kingdom Hearts kingdom. See the thing the, the thing I would like to see is like we know there's Disney World, but like I would love to see more original worlds that yes. have their own set of you know you know, like uh, noble lines. Like I would love yes. to see more princes, more yes. you know kings around there. I would yeah. sort of see that there's not just these Disney worlds and not just mm. King Mickey, but I want to see like different universes that have their own sets of yeah. you know characters that, you know, are involved with this, you know. Yeah. 
we might get that maybe one day through Scala Ad Kylum. I mean, there's very clearly like that. Like I, I get that kind of a vibe from Scala Ad Kylum, especially the place where they're doing the chess game. And clearly, clearly, uh, Xehanort and young Xehanort and young Ericus, they have a master, you know, they have a master there. And, you know, he's some kind of person that we, we don't know who he is. All we know, and this is only really something we saw in the trailer, was that he was bequeathed the Keyblade from Eric or from uh, from Lushu, so he's got no name, at least in this part of the timeline. So there's that. I mean, there's a lot of storyline there that we just don't know about, man. <laughs> you know, there's there's so much there. Like, why does why does Xehanort, young Xehanort, why does he still have gray eyes as opposed to orange eyes? When does he get those orange eyes? How does he get those orange eyes? Obviously, it's related to darkness. There's a lot. Okay, but going back to the question. To me, to me, there's really yeah. The way Nomura sets up everything when it comes to Kingdom Hearts is yeah. like either going to be something, or it could be nothing. Exactly, especially when it comes to like like cover artwork. There's very there very much is that like some people say, for example, that the Kingdom Hearts two cover art is like a hint at Final World, whereas I more I mostly see that as it's just a design that Nomura had at the time, and maybe he was inspired from it when he was designing kingdom hearts three uh areas but i don't think he ever had at that time a specific idea to use it in that way but i definitely see it as you know he just puts a, a lot of ideas out there and especially with cover art he definitely takes the opportunity to like go a little bit crazier with it and it, the stuff doesn't all relate to the kingdom hearts games at all but some of it does some of it doesn't in sort of vague ways and then maybe in the future he uses elements of that because, you know, Nomura does the covers, Nomura does the games. So obviously, you know, it's all from from the same source. So there's going to be overlap there, of course. So I, I kind of see it that way is that will there be a, a meaning for it in the future? Maybe. I mean... But maybe, maybe not. Maybe it'll always be kind of vague. Or maybe in, in the future, maybe in the DLC, we'll get the ability to attach a crown to Sora. Kind of like how uh, you could attach mini ears and various things to Aqua in 0.2. Like, I mean, they, they have that tech. Well, Sora had a crown in Kingdom Hearts 2 Final Mix. Exactly. And I, I wouldn't be surprised, Turo, if uh, that was a thing in uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 Remind. Maybe for the crazy bosses that are going to make us cry, maybe that's going to be the reward we get from that. Like, who knows? Like, the, the, these are all options that are on the table. Like, these are all things that could happen. Uh, but will there be story significance? I don't see any story significance for it right now. In the distant future, perhaps. But I don't. I see that more of a, you know, I see it kind of like Naruto becoming the Hokage at the end of uh, Naruto. Like that was always from the very beginning. That was kind of like the break breaking case of emergency plot point. That was never going to be a mid story revelation. That was always going to be a final revelation. That was always going to be the thing that, you know. It was always set up from the very beginning, but whenever they decide to end the series, it was going to end with Naruto being the Hokage. Like, that was always going to be the thing. It's like, 
Uh, One Piece has, you know, Goofy is looking for One Piece, or uh, not Goofy, Luffy. Luffy is looking for One Piece. If Luffy ever finds One Piece, One Piece is done. You know, it's like, that's sort of the thing. So if, if Sora ever becomes a king, Kingdom Hearts is done. I just hope, Churro, that Sora kissing Kyrie is also not being held for ransom in right. that way. Because <laughs> then we'll never get it. That would be a nightmare world I never want to be a part of. All right, so I think that's uh, I think that pretty much wraps up our question segment. Our music for this episode is uh, a great cover of "Dearly Beloved" in the style of the Kingdom Hearts Three version of "Dearly Beloved." This is the "Dearly Beloved" piano and orchestra cover, uh, the build-up version. So uh, by Prince, uh, piano Prince of Anime on YouTube. Uh, by build-up version, he sort of means that. This is a song that grows over time. It's a longer uh, cut, so I hope you enjoy it. This is definitely one that, uh, if you want to chill out, I'd highly recommend. It's very relaxing, very soothing, and it builds up over time. So, uh, you know, it's a little bit more of a, an experimental cover than we we normally have on the show, but I really liked it, so that's why I wanted to put it on the show. So, uh, yeah, our next episode of Kingdom Hearts Union is scheduled for the twenty eighth of May. As always, you can subscribe to Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union on the iTunes Store. Just search for Kingdom Hearts, and we're number one. And of course, you can catch every episode at KingdomHeartsUnion.com or Kingdom Hearts Union's Twitter, which is at KHUnion. And remember, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash FFKHUnion. And send us your questions to KHUQuestions at gmail.com. Alright, Churro, it is that time again. It is goodbye time. It's another long one. It's another long one, but you know what? We finally made it, Churro. We we made it through all of the Kingdom Hearts 3 discussion, or at least all of the main stuff. So so. far. So far, (laughs) exactly. We made it through the main discussion of everything that there was in Kingdom Hearts 3 as it was released on release day. Right. Okay. That's good to know. So I guess from here on out, it's going to be, you know, we're back to where this whole podcast started, Jero. Back to speculation, back to uncertainty, and back to helping people through the process of waiting for whatever the next uh, step is in the King of Hearts story. And that's a, you know, it's a hard place to be, but that's, I kind of feel, Jero, that that's like the purpose of podcasts like us. You know, we're here to sort of fill the gap when, you know, the development team is working on the next big part of the story. Like, we're here to sort of tide people over, and, you know, that's where we fit into this equation. So I think as as painful as this may be, we're in the right place. So that's always fun. So all right, Charo, let's say our goodbyes. All right, bye, guys. Thanks for tuning in again. See you in the next one. And I'm Brandon saying goodbye. This has been a KingdomHeartsUnion.com production.